to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you love running or eating, you'll love this show. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Hello, and welcome back to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. This is Monica, and I will be your running buddy for today. If you are new here, I started runitrepeat.com about nine, 10 years ago to document training for my first full marathon, ended up loving it. By some Christmas miracle, people were reading the blog and it turned into a full-time job. And now it's this podcast too. So welcome, welcome. I have a great episode today. I have two really, really good questions that I think are gonna go kind of long because I have a lot to say about them and hopefully it will be very helpful. And one of the questions is from one of my favorite readers. So I'm super excited about that because I love to play favorites, you know? That's why we do all of this so that I could just talk about all of the things that I love. But first, let's warm up. So I am super excited to be leading a 21-day stretch challenge that starts June 4th and just wanted to invite you to join in. I talk about stretching all of the time. I know it is so important to keep your body healthy, to prevent injuries, to know if you have any muscle imbalances or just tightness that you need to work on and be aware of. It's really important. It's also a nice couple of minutes when you're stretching to center yourself and just be kind to your body. And yet, we don't do it. And I am speaking for the collective running we for the most part. So many people, every time I talk about stretching and how I need to stretch more, people comment, chime in and say, me too, I I don't stretch enough. I did a runner bingo game on Instagram recently, and one of these squares was stretch every day. And I basically asked if anyone had a complete kind of blackout bingo where they covered each of the spots. And only one person, hundreds of people played this game and messaged me. One person said that they do stretch every day. Tons of people had a lot of missing ones, different things that they haven't experienced yet um, with running. But there was also a lot of people that had most of them, a few people that had all of them except the stretching, but it was rare that anyone had stretch every day. And I just know I'm not the only one and I want to make it a habit. So this 21-day stretch challenge is so easy and realistic. This is my style. I feel like if I'm going to give you some advice, it's only if you ask, first of all. And so sign up if you want to work with me on this. But it's just one stretch per day for six days. And then on the seventh day at the end of the week, you'll do all the stretches from that week. And they're very easy. It's for one minute a day. You can do a stretch for one minute a day. And I'm going to post it on Instagram and Facebook and the blog so that wherever you want to see it, you can see the example of the stretch for that day. Do it for 30 seconds, release another 30 seconds, and then go on with your life. And if you feel like doing another stretch at that point, it's all you. But I am only saying one minute a day, except for at the end of the week, we'll do all of the stretches. And I will be doing a live video each day to do the stretch and just see if anyone has any questions as well. So I will put a link in the show notes that you can sign up for that. And when you sign up, you'll get the calendar so you can cross off the days. The calendar will have 
the names of each of the stretches. And again, these are very easy stretches that are effective, though. So they're stretches that you're probably already familiar with. And it's just a matter of making sure that you do it so that you get a head to toe stretch session by the end of the challenge. So yeah, check it out. I encourage you to sign up and follow along. And now let's get to the first question. Okay, I got this question via email and let me read it to you. It says, Monica, I just saw your post about having had so many people tell you that they had a great race this weekend. Well, I did not. I showed up to the Wisconsin half marathon thinking I'd trained strong through the winter and this could be it. That elusive half marathon PR I've been chasing for months. Well, not so much. It ended up being 86 degrees and sunny. Our Chicago spring weather has been hovering in the 40s and 50s, so I haven't had the chance to run in the heat since last summer. I fell apart and it wasn't pretty. I'm so disappointed. My question for you is this. How do you bounce back from a terrible race? Physically, emotionally, how do you shake it off and move past the disappointment to get back to training for whatever's next? Thank you. Love the show, Rita. And she is at try run type one on Instagram. I will link to that too. Rita, thank you so much for your question and thanks for following. And I am going to hook you up because I've been there. I've had to come back from bad races and also from just different negative experiences where in the past I have fallen off the wagon and like super just had a horrible binge and things like that can really wreck you. And when it comes to running, we say oftentimes it's, you know, 90% mental, 10% physical or training. And even recently in the episode with Holly Zimmerman, the ultramarathon mom, she said that ultramarathons are 90% mental and the other 10% is mental. Your mental game is so important with long distance running. And if something messes with you and gets in your head and really makes you just not feel confident, doubt your abilities, stresses you out, gives you anxiety, worried if it's going to happen again, this is not good. So it's good to identify it and to really go into all of this with kind curiosity. And I will put a ton of information in the show notes so that you can go back to this if you are running right now. But the first thing is kind curiosity. I want you to kind of assess the situation with kindness towards yourself and being curious because it is important to identify if there were things that were in your control that could have been done differently And at the same time, be kind to yourself when you are assessing all of these things. It doesn't help to break yourself down more. You need to build yourself up, especially when you're asking the question like this and maybe at a different race or another runner might be coming from it in a different way. But it just sounds like if you feel like you had just a really bad race, got your ass kicked, It's not helpful to make it worse at this point. So be kind and curious. And next, just the facts. Gather the information you need that will be helpful to learning from this experience. And this is important because 
you don't want to feel like this is going to happen again, right? You want to identify what you can do differently next time and change it if it needs to be changed. And there are a lot of emotions if you feel like you failed at something sometimes. And so when you are reviewing the race, just try to get the facts, not that you're pissed at yourself, not that uh, at mile eight, I could have pushed it or man, I shouldn't have eaten this the night before. I'm so dumb or whatever it is. Like there are a lot of different places at a race over the course of a race weekend, right? Where fueling sometimes factors in, travel factors in, what you're wearing, weather, elevation, how you trained. There's so many different things that can affect race performance. That's great. So you get all that info. And actually, I have a race review form that I talked about in podcast episode 23. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And that is for after a race, any race. And this is a good habit to do in general. So you're not just doing this when you have a super bad race or a super amazing race, but maybe even after a long run, check out the race review form so that you can break down the things that you need to learn and note from a run, a long run, or a race. So you might want to write these things down. Like I said, the facts of race day and training, anything that factored in really, whether fuel, elevation, health, injury, training factors, note all of those things. And especially note anything that happened during the race that might have affected you if they ran out of goo or Gatorade or whatever your expectation was, or if the course was different, all of that stuff. You want to write that down so that you can identify it. And next, I want you to identify three things you did well on race day and three things that you didn't do so well. And it is really important to celebrate your accomplishments and give yourself credit for everything that you did do. Let's not forget that it wasn't all about race day. Race day is sometimes even just the victory lap in and of itself, where in comparison, there were so many weeks and miles of training of you just out there by yourself or with your group pounding away. Maybe you're doing it right now. This is when it counts. You know, you don't have a huge crowd right now. You don't have water stations and someone handing you Gatorade. This is where the work has to be put in. So give yourself credit for the things that you did well and note the things that you can work on for next time. And then along with identifying what you can do differently next time, be very specific about it. Plan how you're going to change your training next time incorporate that into your next training cycle. Be very specific and realistic. And this is so important because you take back control of the situation. You're not just a victim of circumstances at the race. And you can work on what you have control over and then just let the rest go. Because if it wasn't in your control, then you really shouldn't be beating yourself up for it. All you have control over is yourself, your own choices, how you react to things, how you trained, 
and what you did in the situation. So you just have to do your best, right? And there are sometimes things that you can't necessarily plan for, but we are talking about the three specific things that on race day and or in training, you didn't do well, identify how you can do those differently next time. And this is one of those things too, where you can kind of reframe a failure as a learning experience. This is a learning opportunity. This is a chance to learn from it. And hopefully it wasn't the Olympics that you've been training for for four years. Keep it in perspective and realize that you have the chance to try again. And so next time, what are you going to do? And once you have kind of identified what you want to work on and identified how you're going to do it differently next time, either in training or on race day, give yourself a pep talk. And really, this isn't easy when you are coming from kind of a place where you feel like you didn't do well, but everyone has bad runs. Everyone has bad races. There are professional runners that have a DNF. If you're not familiar, DNF is did not finish. It's actually, I don't want to say it's common, but it is not out of the question. It is not super crazy rare for a pro to drop out of a marathon. It's so hard on your body. And if they realize that they have an injury, it doesn't make any sense for them to kind of make it worse. So give yourself credit, even if it is that you had to tap out of the race because you thought I am really sick or I am going to hurt myself. Whatever it is, find something kind to say to yourself and give yourself a really good positive pep talk. It's really an important skill that you should master in general because, I mean, most likely running isn't the only thing in your life. And we need to be able to talk ourselves up when we need to um, and kind of bring your head back in the game. So however that is, however you need to do that, if you need to talk in the mirror, if you need to put on your favorite song and dance it out in a room by yourself, um, give yourself a pep talk and just get to a better positive place because we are moving forward from this. You know, you identified the good, the bad and the ugly from that bad race. And now we're bouncing back and you have control of the situation. So let's start it on kind of a happy foot, happy feet, right? Because we're running. And next, you got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know how many I would sing if I thought I could sing. And I've actually never seen Frozen, but love the song, Let It Go. This I mean, we could talk about this on another day, but there have been a lot of things in my life that I am shocked, shocked that people have not let go. You got to let it go. And it is what it is. The race is over. And whether or not you legit just could have done better and didn't for whatever reason, and were just full of excuses that day, or just had things that you couldn't control on race day, whatever, it it doesn't matter if it was, if you want to say it was technically your fault or not, however you were framing it, it doesn't matter. Let it go. Let it go. Move on. If you need to find a way to do that, if you need to make a little ceremony for yourself where you write down why you messed up in that race and then carefully throw it into a fire, let it just 
you know, go into the air and fly away, whatever it is, you need to let it go because it's not going to serve you. Holding on to mistakes of the past isn't going to help you now. You take the lesson and you leave any negativity. And that's all you can do. That's really the best thing you can do for yourself. And finally, after you let it go, now you just go and move forward. Now that you can kind of identify the lessons and the things to work on next time, move forward, move forward, plan a new race, plan a new training cycle, whatever you need to do, maybe do a fun run. If you're just like, you know what, this isn't fun. I feel a little burnt out. Um, Or maybe the reason you had a bad race is because of some physical situation that you're just like, I need to make sure that I am back to 100% before I start training again. Whatever it is, move forward. And either that could be with running or that could be with some other activity that is both good for you and fun, you know, kind of contributes to your health and happiness. But go, go in peace. I'm gonna leave it at that. But yeah, I hope that was helpful. Um, Like I said, this question from Rita was emailed to me. So you can email me or I was going to say call me questions, (laughs) call in questions, Um, run repeat at gmail.com or the phone number is 562-888-1644. I will put this in the show notes. And now let's get to the next question. And this was a voicemail question. So I will actually play it for you. Hey, Monica, this is Marie. I'm from the Lazy W in Oklahoma, and you have helped me so much over the past few years. Uh, my question is almost a vanity question, but actually it's functional, too. I feel like I've learned so much about my physiology and nutrition and stuff to make running better and more fun and feel better. But my feet, I feel like the more I run, not only the worse condition are my feet, in, and they're not that pretty, but there are so many days where I... I feel like I could do more, like the rest of me feels strong and energetic, but my feet hurt, just the actual skin and soft tissue and stuff. So I would love tips and things, ideas of how runners who do this long-term care for their feet. Okay, thank you. I hope you're having an awesome day. Marie, thanks so much for calling in. I was very excited to hear your voice. I'm sure maybe you hear mine a lot since you said you listen to the podcast. But um, I am very familiar with Marie's Instagram handle, The Lazy W. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well from Instagram. Um, she chimes in. I do a daily run report where you check in every day with your run or workout or rest day or whatever it is. And she comments a ton. And I'm very excited about this question because it's actually something I get a lot I think in my Instagram stories, I live in Southern California. I go to the beach. I don't want to say fairly often, but often enough where I do the very stereotypical picture of my feet in the sand or with the waves crashing over in a boomerang, which I love. That's one of my favorite things to do. And people always say, how do you have all of your toenails or how do your feet look like that when you run so much? And it is because I make an effort for them to, this is not by accident at all. And so since she said that this is both kind of a vanity question, but at the same time, not because it's impacting her running, I want to touch on all of those things. 
So I put together a list of tips to help with this, both kind of things that are just aesthetic. And then also, I guess, I don't know how you would say it, just making sure that your feet feel great so that you can run more happily. First, and this is very basic and kind of obvious, but I think you might need to double check that you have the right shoes and right socks for running for your body and your feet. If this is something that you said soft tissue, you might need a shoe with more cushion on the bottom. You might need socks that have more cushion. So I would double check on that first. Next, this isn't something that is super obvious, but is very important. It's not just about your running shoes. You want to make sure that you are wearing quality shoes when you're not running. And this means everything from if you're wearing heels when you're walking a lot or boots that give you blisters or are very heavy or flip-flops that sometimes cause certain muscles in your foot to kind of tense up while you're walking. I would say in addition to kind of looking at if you're wearing the right running socks and shoes, what shoes and socks are you wearing when you're not running? This is very important. And this is actually something that A couple of years ago, I started to feel like I was getting tendinitis in one of my toes and I was super freaking out. And kind of one of the things that I realized is I'm not doing myself any favors by wearing flip flops. And like I said before, I'm in SoCal. Someone recently posted on Instagram, Ashley from the Healthy Happier Bear. That's not her Instagram handle anymore, though. Anyways, she said, oh, it's almost flip-flop season. And I was like, when was it not flip-flop season? She's my friend. I kind of chimed in like teasing. Obviously, I understand that I am very lucky to be able to live somewhere where people wear flip-flops year-round. I've also heard when a plane lands at the airport and people are getting off, if like everyone's wearing flip-flops, they're probably coming from California. I don't know if that's true or not. My point is, you want to make sure that you are not wearing $3 flip-flops all the time if you are on your feet a lot and want your feet to be healthy and happy and they are telling you that they're not. So assess non-running shoes as well. And after a run, put your feet up. Um, if you can't do this, use compression socks, but you might need to elevate your feet after longer runs, harder runs, time when you are on your feet a lot. Elevating your feet and compression gear can help with swelling, basically, you know, kind of having your blood pull down. Gravity is trying to pull it down. And sometimes, like I said, that can lead to swelling or discomfort or just sensitive tissue. So what I have done in the past after super long runs is kind of lay up against the wall with my legs completely up like at a 90 degree angle where your butt is pushed all the way to the wall and your legs and feet are straight up from there. Um, You can't really do much with that. You can kind of be on your phone, but it's not like you can watch TV. It's a lot more dramatic than just elevating them. But sometimes that helps like after a super long run. And then if I am on my feet a lot after that, I feel like that makes a big difference. Um, Or again, compression gear might help with that as well. And also consider using compression socks while you are running. 
Next, you might want to look into putting your feet in an Epsom salt bath or using special lotions that are specifically for kind of pain relief, or there's a lot of foot creams specifically that have either essential oils or other kind of herbal medicinal properties. I would explore those options for sure because they are very nice and kind to your feet. They might help a lot with recovering quicker for sure. So you can look into that as well. And to kind of go into the more vain side of these things, Getting a pedicure and keeping your toenails very short can be helpful. Um, Obviously, you can cut your toenails very short yourself, but I feel like with getting a pedicure, they are really good about getting anything else like little, I don't want to call them hangnails, but just like they are just like on point with cutting toenails very short and just making sure that you don't have anything that could potentially lead to like an ingrown Um Kellis removal, they are thorough AF. I'm a fan of it. And it is also a good way to kind of, I was going to say keep track of your toenails, but um, to just keep an eye on them. Because if you always kind of just have socks and shoes on and know that your feet are uncomfortable and aren't really looking at them, sometimes you can start to realize that a toenail is going to turn black from training And if you keep it super short and you keep clear polish on it so that you can keep an eye on it, you can prevent that from happening, which is awesome. And along these lines as well, maybe getting a foot massage and ideally even a professional foot massage would be awesome. I don't know if they have these everywhere, but there are these foot spas that are all over the place around here that are very low cost and awesome. So. I would look into a foot massage for sure. And if you don't like strangers touching your feet, there are a lot of products that you can try as well. I have a trigger point mat that I am in love with that you just step on and it kind of presses on all your trigger points. I also have one that you lay on that I've mentioned before in the awards. Um, There are toe spacers. I think I've heard them called yoga toes, but I don't know if I just called them that. But um, they kind of space out your toes. It feels really, really good. Um, Different little wooden contraptions that you can roll your feet on. I will put links in the show notes to some of my favorites because I do have a very eclectic mix of things like this that either companies send me or I just want to try. I see it somewhere. So I am a fan of different massaging tools, trigger point tools, um, different products to put on your feet. I, like I said, I'm a fan of all of these things and anything that makes you feel good when you're very hard on your body. I think that this is kind of a nice way to give back to it. And something that we don't always consider as well is the kind of surface that you are running on. If you can run on a softer surface, that might be helpful. If this is kind of the pain or discomfort is from just the pounding. Like I mentioned, getting a shoe with more cushion might help, but also running on softer surfaces. So either grass and watching your step very carefully. Um, If you can run on a rubber track or a treadmill, um, that might be helpful as well. Maybe a trail. Again, watch your step. I just know I am really good at falling. So 
I hesitate to do those things, but I know that um, that can help as well. So potentially softer surfaces. And I think this might be the last tip, but make sure that you give yourself time to recover and also give yourself time in between running and doing anything else where you are on your feet a ton. So if that is work, potentially, you would have to factor that into training. Um, But I would say just kind of listen to your body, maybe note this in a training journal and see what helps and what doesn't. And this is such a good reminder that every body is different, right? And sometimes people just have a nagging, you know, ongoing knee pain that they've always had, or you sprained your ankle one time in high school. And ever since then, it kind of gets sore quicker than the other one or gives out on you once a year. Like we all have a thing, right? And we all have awesome things. (laughs) I felt like the negative, the we all have a thing kind of sounded negative, but we all have strengths, And we all have weaknesses. And I think the most important thing that you can do is be self-aware and set yourself up for success by kind of doing whatever you can to help yourself be stronger, healthier, happier, all of those things. So I hope that helps. If anyone has anything else that they would like to add to this little convo, You can leave it in the show notes at runningrepeat.com or um, let's talk about it on Instagram today. So I will post up on Instagram and you can chime in as well there. And I will put links in the show notes to some of my favorite little foot products as well. And if you have a question for me, send it on over. Um, My email is runeatrepeat at gmail.com and you can put podcast question in the subject line. Or you can leave a message on the voicemail. It is 562-888-1644. And if you actually go to at running repeat on Instagram, in my bio page, it says call or it says email. If you click on one of those, it will take you to either send me an email or it will send you to call this voicemail if you wanted to. And you can leave messages there on all things running, eating, repeating, whatever else you want to ask me. Let's do this. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share what you're doing while you listen, like KCW, who was doing a trail run 10K while listening to the last episode. I love that. And I hope this was helpful. Like I said, check out the show notes for more and have a great run. Thank you for listening to the Run Eat Repeat podcast. For more information, check out runeatrepeat.com. <laughs>